started this Advent series by asking the question, what child is this? Uh, we, we really do need to clarify that in our hearts and minds, whether you, whether you really acknowledge it or not. We, we, we've got we've to realize what, what child this is if we truly want to celebrate Christmas. Because if this child is just a fable or a nice little story or a decoration that gives us warm fuzzies around the Christmas season then this child is not that big of a deal. And Christmas is just another holiday. But what if, what if he's more? The words to, uh, to that, that carol, uh, What Child Is This?, were written by William Chatterton Dix in 1865, and, and it, they, those words continue to help people around the world consider that question. What child is this? Within those lyrics, we, we encounter characters and storylines that, that, that were part of the first Christmas, and they help us discover uh, who that baby uh, was and is and can be in our lives. And today I want to focus on a, on a set of characters who aren't specifically named by, by name in the song, uh, but, but they are referred to, at least their gifts and what they did are referred to. There's a, there, there, there's a verse that, uh, that starts out, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Those are the three gifts that the wise men, the magi, brought to Jesus. The the wise men bringing those gifts is one reason why we buy gifts Today, right? Uh, we, we buy gifts and we give them to each other and, and, and part of the, the root of that goes clear back to these wise men bringing gifts to Jesus. They say that December is the month when siblings begin to discuss what to get dad for Christmas. Some insist on a shirt, others a pair of socks, and the argument always ends in a tie. That was the groan I was looking for. I appreciate that. Good. Yes. I'll be here all day. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. There, there was also, uh, ran across a story this week of a lady who uh, waited until the last minute to send her Christmas cards, and uh, so she, uh, in, a, in a flurry, she rushed to the store, and she uh, saw a, a pretty picture of a package of 50 cards, and she grabbed that box and, and didn't really look too closely at it, but just knew she had to get this thing done, and, and uh, uh, she, she, uh, she bought those cards, she rushed home, and she, uh, she uh, signed them all real quick and addressed them and, and got to the, the uh, post office just before they closed to buy enough stamps to get them all, and she, she had, uh, she had uh, you know, had 40-plus people on her list and, and uh, had, had finally got them in the mail right in time. Uh, everybody was probably going to get those cards in time for Christmas. So breathing a sigh of relief, she comes home. She uh, is uh, uh, picking up after her frenzy of uh, uh, getting all her cards together and, and uh, begins to put things away and get things back in order. And she, she picked up one of, the, one of the cards that was left over and just kind of, oh yeah, I really do like that picture. That's really nice. And she opened it up and, uh, and read the message that hadn't really registered before. Uh, the message that she had just sent to uh, 40 plus uh, uh, members of her, friend, of her family and friends, loved ones, she had just sent them a card that says, this card is just to say a little gift is on the way. Gifts, presents at Christmas, it can actually be a huge part of the stress, right? Uh, oh, who am I, uh, what am I going to buy and, and uh, uh, do I, will I get it in time? And, and now we've got the whole supply chain thing, right? And is it going to come in time? And, uh, you know, we can, we can do a little clicking and, and just have it shipped straight to them, but is it going to get there? And, and, uh, what, and, and that stress can really, 
can really come out at Christmas and a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we make our lists and we check them twice and we shop and we, we hide the, the gifts and we wrap them, we put everything under the tree and, and, and I guess we have the wise men to thank for it, right? I, I, I think... I think we've strayed a long way, actually, away from the spirit of, of the wise men and, and, uh, when, when it comes to our gift giving traditions. But, but also, we have to acknowledge that those guys did kind of go over the top a bit. Uh, I mean, they, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and those were pretty significant and valuable gifts. I, I want us to read the scriptural account uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, to see how those gifts and that journey of the wise men from the east can uh, can help us rediscover what child is this. So Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Traditionally, we've uh, always seen three wise men in our nativity scenes, right? That's how many uh, we have over there. Uh, and uh, you probably, if you have a nativity scene set up at your house, you've probably got three wise men in it somewhere. Uh, technically, though, uh, you probably know this by now, but technically, we don't know how many wise men there were. Uh, there were three gifts the Bible doesn't tell us how many guys brought those gifts. Uh, there, there are more than one because it says wise men uh, or magi, more than one, it's plural. So there's at least two, but, but maybe more than three. What Matthew saw is important, though, uh, as, as he shared their story here in, in Matthew chapter 2, wasn't so much the number of men, but the journey that they made and the gifts that they brought. Maybe you've uh, heard about the three boys who were playing the wise men in their church Christmas program. They were wearing their father's bathrobes and cardboard crowns with foil on them. And, and they, they uh, approached, uh, came down the center aisle and approached the, the uh, baby doll in the manger. Uh, and and uh, the first boy handed over uh, this, this present that he was carrying to the girl playing Mary. And he said uh, in his biggest church voice, gold. And then the second one uh, presented his gift to Joseph and said, myrrh. And on the heels of that, the third one held up his shoebox encrusted with jewels and said, oh, and Frank sent this. It's close, close. Uh, uh, Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts. 
And those gifts to us today probably sound a little odd, although we're used to hearing them related to the Christmas story, right? But they were actually very significant, and they showed the wisdom of these men who came so far. Each of those presents gives us a clue to the identity of this child, Jesus. What child is this? We can discover a little bit about him looking at the gifts of the Magi. The first gift was gold, and gold was a gift given to kings it's one of the most precious metals throughout scripture and throughout uh, ancient cultures gold has always been considered uh, to have value right A, a king's power and prestige was significantly greater if he had gold in the in the treasury and from the start of their journey, the wise men knew they were looking for a king. Uh, that's the, who they asked for. When they got to Jerusalem, they said, where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? This was the primary identity of this child that they were looking for. Uh, later in life, Jesus uh, himself claimed to be king. That was a big part of why he was crucified. Uh, he, he came into to town on uh, riding a donkey on uh, uh, Palm Sunday. Well, they didn't call it Palm Sunday then. That comes later. But that was because they were, you know, everybody's waving palm and they, they're hailing him as, as king. And, uh, and the religious leaders didn't, uh, didn't like that. And so uh, they, they took him, uh, uh, a week later, they took him and, and he's standing before Pilate. And Pilate asks him, are, are you the king of the Jews? These people are saying that you're saying you're a king. Are you the king of the Jews? And in Matthew 27, 11, Jesus says, it is as you say. He claimed to be king. Uh, last week we looked at Philippians 2 uh, where, uh, where, where Paul is quoting a hymn of the church walking through this, this uh, concept of Jesus who stepped out of heaven and, and became human and, and uh, walked through life and submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. It, it says there that, that uh, after he was crucified, he was raised uh, to life and God, quote, exalted him to the highest place. And, uh, uh, and then it says that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He he is, he is king. Uh, he is described in scripture as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has ultimate power and ultimate authority as we come to the manger at, uh, during the Advent season and we ask what child is this? We must proclaim that he is the king. And we know that because of this gift of gold that the wise men brought. Well, they also brought frankincense. Just a little science uh, lesson this morning. Frankincense is a clear resin with a uh, pleasant smell. Uh, It's obtained from trees in northern India and Arabia. And uh, it is used, has been used for many, many years in incense and in perfumes. And and it was treasured for its aroma and for uh, what people believe to be healing properties in frankincense. Uh, it was used a lot of times uh, by the priests in the in the temple. Uh, they used it as part of their uh, their worship as they as they would uh, burn this incense as an aromatic uh, offering to God. So the gift of frankincense by the wise men uh, points to uh, the work of Jesus, this child, as as a priest. Priest, uh, a priest represents the people to God. Right and represents God to the people. Uh, the priest is a mediator, someone who comes between God and the people, between the people and God, represents uh, uh, each to both. Uh, and that's exactly what Jesus does. That's exactly who Jesus is. The book of Hebrews describes it this way, Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. 
It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can have access to God because of Jesus, our high priest. He advocates for us. We can, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling to think, but we can actually, uh, if you can picture it in your mind, we can actually step into the throne room of heaven with confidence, knowing that we will not be turned away because of Jesus' work on our behalf. He is our priest. He represents us before God. And he represents and shows us who God is. He is our priest. What, what child is this? We know from this frankincense that the, uh, that the wise men brought, we, we know that he is our great high priest. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Myrrh was a, was a spice used for medicine, cosmetics, anointing oil, uh, also, and maybe primarily, uh, used as the main ingredient in the embalming process when someone died back in the day. The, the significance of this gift uh, of the wise men shows that they knew that Jesus was, was born to die. He was born as a sacrifice. Several times Jesus uh, was, was anointed uh, during his ministry uh, by, by women who poured expensive perfume and oil on him. And each time Jesus said one reason that he allowed this, which everyone kind of looked a little sideways, you know, what in the world is this going on? But Jesus allowed it because they, he said they were looking ahead to the day of his burial. John 19 even mentions myrrh specifically among the, uh, the oils and spices that Nicodemus brought to embalm Jesus after his crucifixion. Uh, oils and spices, but specifically mentions myrrh. Sacrifices uh, were, were a big part of Jewish worship. Different animals were sacrificed in different ways to cover different sins. You had sheep and goats and calves and even doves were, were, were sacrificed in order to pay for the sins of the people. Uh, we, we're not going to get into all of that this morning, but, but, but you need to know that sacrifice as an atonement for sin was, was a big deal, a big part of, of, uh, of, of the worship experience uh, in that day. And Jesus came not only as the priest that we just saw, but also as that perfect sacrifice. Again, the book of Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 12 says, Jesus did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We, we celebrated that this morning as we received communion. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice. He, he lived a perfect life. He died as a sacrifice for us. It was not uh, his sin but ours that, uh, that, that, that he took upon himself on that cross. What child is this? We know from that gift of myrrh from the wise men that he is 
a perfect sacrifice for our sin. So whether they were completely aware of it or not at the time, those wise men, the Magi, uh, they, they were saying a whole lot about uh, who Jesus was when they gathered in that house at Bethlehem. That, just another side note, um, we, we usually have three wise men and, um, and uh, there may have been a lot more. Uh, they also weren't there at the stable, but it just, just makes for a nice picture, right? So, uh, so we've, we've done that and it's easy to, to have that set up. But it, it says there that they, they, uh, we read it earlier, uh, they came to the house. Uh, it was, it was later. Now, it, maybe even up to two years later. And, and so they, they showed up, uh, that, uh, this, but you know, it's still a nice picture and we, we're, we're going to keep it that way. But, but, uh, but you need to know that, that in scripture, they, they weren't there on that night. It was, it was a little bit late. So, so when they, when they gathered in that house in Bethlehem, uh, they, they gave him gold and proclaimed him as king. And they presented him with frankincense, acknowledging him as priest. And they gave him myrrh, declaring him as the sacrifice who would take away the sin of the world. Those are, those are huge theological truths, and we need to know those things. He's a king and a priest and a sacrifice. Uh, you, you need to know that that's who this child was. But, but even more than that, as you gather around the manger this Advent season, asking what child is this, you should, you should also be asking, is Jesus my king? Is Jesus my priest? Have I acknowledged him as the sacrifice for my sin? It, it's gotta be personal. It, it has to be personal. It was personal for the wise men. Uh, they brought those gifts, and, and those are hugely significant, but even before they ever gave those gifts, those wise men did something even more significant. I think they, they bowed down and worshipped. I mean, they, they, these guys weren't just delivering gifts like the Amazon driver or the FedEx guy, right? Uh, they, they, these gifts were from them. This was personal. They, they honored Jesus, this child, not only as the king, the priest, the sacrifice, but their king and priest and sacrifice. And we must do the same. As we follow the example of the wise men, I think there's a, a couple, three things that, that can help us to know if we're really doing that this Christmas season. If we're really making it personal, if we're really worshiping from our hearts, uh, and, and we get these from this story, uh, we worship when we seek him. The, the wise men were expecting Jesus. They were looking to the heavens for a sign. When they saw the star, they discovered why it was there and then they followed it, not just out of curiosity, but, but, uh, but with the express intention of worshiping Jesus. They were prepared uh, for it. They sought after him. Most scholars agree that these guys came a rather long distance. They, they probably traveled, uh, it could have been at least a year. Uh, they, they left their, their lives, maybe they left their families. Uh, when, when they got close, they asked around until they found him. They, this was no simple little trip it was I mean it was literally an epic journey the the point is that that these guys put a considerable amount of time and effort into finding and worshiping Jesus and I have to ask myself how much time and effort am I putting in to worshiping Jesus or is it just when it comes up or when it's convenient or when I feel like it we, we have to go out of our way <laughs> To worship Jesus. 
You probably won't have to take a year-long trip, but, but uh, you, you do need to make the effort and to be intentional. We have to intentionally seek him. Are you seeking Jesus? We worship when we seek him. We also worship, and we see in the wise men's story that uh, we worship when we humble ourselves. Uh, worship involves seeing God for who he is, and, and when we sense his holiness, we, we sense our own lowliness. And that's exactly uh, the picture that we get of these, uh, these wise men crowded into this, this house, probably a, a very modest home, uh, and, and they, uh, all their power and prestige and their wisdom and stature, their noblemen and scholars, probably old, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, yet they, they crowded into this room before they did anything else. They bowed down before a young teenage peasant girl and her baby. Just mind-blowing to get that picture in our minds. They humbled themselves before this child, knowing he was their king and priest and sacrifice. Their own status and achievements, even their own comfort, didn't matter at all. Uh, They were there with one priority, and that was to worship pride gets in our way spiritually it's the it's the root of sin uh when when i'm thinking about my rights when i'm thinking about what i get how i benefit my status i'm not i'm not able to worship so many times uh the the position of worship is is uh is depicted as being down on our knees right bowing down just like these wise men did and that's that's a position of humility it's a it's i mean it's literally the stance of a beggar in the presence of this child, as you begin to see him for who he is as your king and priest and sacrifice, follow the lead of the wise men and bow down in worship. Humble yourself. Forget your plans, your pride, uh, how you might look to other people, uh, what, what you think you deserve. For, forget all of that and submit your life to Jesus. We worship when we humble ourselves. And... And one other thing, and, and again, we've, we've talked a lot about it today, but we worship when we give God what we treasure. Matthew 2.11 says that, that after they bowed down and worshiped, these wise men, quote, opened their treasures and presented those lavish gifts that we've talked about today. The, the, the magi gave what they treasured. And, and we need to realize that worship costs us something. I mean, love costs us something, right? We, we, could, uh, we, would, we would give or do anything for those that we love the deepest. Sacrifice is part of love. This Christmas, you're, you're no doubt planning uh, on giving presents to the people in your life. Uh, if you want to make the rest of us feel bad, uh, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? You're finished? Do I, I, see, I see a couple of hands. I see that. Good. Uh, we're coming to your house and... Uh, I don't know if we we're on your list or not. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, it looks like the rest of us are still in the process somewhere, right? But, but we're all planning on, on some of you have been planning for, for months and months. Uh, we, we, we plan on giving presents to the people that we love in our lives. And, and so we're going to give up something valuable, some money, in order, something that we treasure, uh, something that's valuable to us in order to give something to those that we love. I mean, you could save that money, you could keep it, and you could probably buy a new uh, whatever for yourself, or you could go on a trip, or you, you, could, you could keep all that, but you're not going to do that. You're going you're gonna to give out of what is precious to you because of the love that you have for the people uh, in your life. And the, and the same has to be true in our relationship with God, right? 
I'm not just talking about giving sacrificially in the church offering. I'm, I'm, I'm not putting that down. You're more than welcome to do that. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not talking about, uh, about giving at church. I, I, if we're truly worshiping God, it's, it's going to cost us something. I mean, it may cost financially, but that's not, that's not the point. It, it might cost in our relationships. It, it, it might cost what we thought we'd be doing in life, but instead, because we worship God, we're, we're heading in this direction instead of that direction. It, it might cost the time that we could have spent elsewhere, but now we're, we're giving to, uh, uh, to, to God as we serve him. Uh, if God is the most important thing, the most, most important person in your life, then he comes before everything and everyone else. Your, your devotion to God will cost you something. I mean, it will actually cost you your life, right? We, we give up our own right to our own life so that God can live in us. Uh, Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When we love God and worship him with all of our heart, we will give him what we treasure. Well, this is, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot to this story, a little bit more than, than uh, three guys coming in and giving some presents. It really points to that answer, answering that question, what child is it? Who is this really that we're celebrating this Christmas season? He is, he is the king of kings. Is he your king? He is, he is the, the, the high priest. Is he your priest? He is the sacrifice. Is he your sacrifice taking away your sin? Today, I want us to just spend a few minutes contemplating the answers to those questions and giving you the chance to, uh, uh, to, to make sure that those things are true, that he is, he is in charge of your life as king, that you are relying on him to represent you in the very throne room of God, that you have confessed your sin and allowed him to take it up and to forgive your sin and take it away. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this child who is our king and our priest and our sacrifice. Lord, I pray that we won't live another moment trying to do it on our own without submitting to your kingship and and your authority in our lives, allowing you to take up our sin and to forgive us Lord, I pray that in these moments we can experience your spirit as we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name.